Hey, Studio DNA fans. I'm Chad, a new podcast host here on the network. I'd like to invite you to check out my new show called Hot Takeout, where I mix together some of my favorite things, fast food and musical artists. When you listen, you'll get that feeling you have when you get an onion ring in the bottom of your french fries. It's a win. We'll dig deep with the artists. We'll find out what inspires them and what foods they have to stay away from. And we're also playing fast food games, which will also make sense when you listen. So check out the Hot Takeout podcast streaming right now here on the Studio DNA podcast network live from a bunker in the heart of the ozarks a podcast that's only as healthy as we feel it's sifpa welcome to sif pop weekly streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed unless of course you're a patron <laughs> I'm going to assume that's dinosaur for patrons get those perks. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and I'm joined by my co-host who would never steal your lollipop but can still keep his options open. It's Andrew Ormsby. Ahoy. Each week we'll <laughs> chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. What was You're that closer? That was my King Kong filter. Oh, all right. Well, King Kong's vocals were, you know, they were they were very much. Well, I should say, gorilla vocals are very much present in the dinosaur vocals from Jurassic Park. So yeah, uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, that, that was great. That was great. How you doing, man? Are you healthy? Um, are you as healthy as you feel? Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> no more lockjaw. I can actually talk now. Dude, what's that um, like? What's lockjaw like? So it's it's weird like eating is nigh impossible. You only are allowed like soups yeah. and uh, like applesauce. So I lost a little bit of weight. It was nice. Nice. <laughs> um but like your teeth can't like really detach from each other. Ugh. Like you can't open your mouth. Yeah. And for you that would be a nightmare considering that's how you make your living. Right. You know. But yeah. uh it was for the first couple days after that extraction. It was incredibly painful. Well, and uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you this little snippet here real quick. Um, so yeah, I complained about how pain, how much pain I was in, and just all that. And then my friend, uh, her son, who is a rock star, uh, I'm just gonna keep the names out of it just for privacy's sake. Mm-hmm. They. Uh, he had to have his arm amputated, dude. And uh, the the next day, he was wanting to go out and uh, play with his friends. Wow! The next day afterwards, yeah, that's wild. And I'm like, man. I'm like, you're making me look bad here. You know, <laughs> I'm complaining about my tooth hurting. Right. He had his arm cut off. Yeah. Uh, but no, he is a rock star and a half. Well wishes to him and his family on speedy recoveries and all that. Uh, yeah, so thank you for making me look bad. <laughs> That's how I felt after we had our uh, our fourth child. Uh, my wife was such a pro at, at by that point. We had the baby, and like the next day. Um, she wanted to go out for lunch with the families. Like, you know, it was just like, I was, I was like, I'm exhausted, babe. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're making me look bad. Exactly. You just, you just pushed a human out of you. 
like less yeah. than 24 hours ago <laughs> like let's take a break uh yeah yeah it's there there are people who are put in our lives to uh, keep us humble and uh my wife is certainly one of those for me um well <laughs> it's good to have you back man uh you're definitely missed love talking movies with you in fact you mentioned uh having your tooth extraction uh we talked about the movie extraction last week uh, <laughs> a different kind of extraction uh if you a want to know Andrew, that one uh, looked that one looked way more painful than mine. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Andrew has seen the movie. If you want to know his uh, thoughts on extraction, that is there for our Sif Pop members. So uh, anybody who's uh, part of the membership at Patreon should have access to that bonus episode uh, where we talk a little bit more about extraction. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it is it is really good to be talking new movies again. And I kind of mentioned this in the member pre-show as well, but. Uh, I'm excited to kind of mix it up here too. Maybe go every other week where there is some stuff that's streaming now. Like I know Bad Education uh, released on HBO. So maybe we'll talk about that next week. Um, and there's some new TV coming out too. New stuff from uh, like uh, one of the guys behind Rick and Morty has a new show that's uh, out this week. Uh, there's new stuff from Greg Daniels, you know, who did The Office. There's like two new shows of his coming out in the next, you know, one of them came out last week and one of them comes out in a couple weeks. Um, so yeah, there's some interesting new stuff coming out that we may, uh, we may chat about amongst catching up on our lists of shame, which we will continue to do during this time. Um, and we'll see, you know, everybody's saying Tenet is going to be the first movie back in theaters. That seems to be what people are thinking right now. So we'll see how that all works out. But, um, well, good, because according to, uh, our now worthless, uh, you know, uh, most anticipated movies of the year list that we created. <laughs> Right. That was our number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, and uh, and we're excited for it, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to see it in the theater. Are you? Will you go back as soon as they're open, or how are you feeling about that? I mean, we don't know what it will look like. They may only sell, you know, a third of the tickets or something too. We just we don't know what theaters will be doing when they try to to come back. But how are you feeling? Like, do you feel like you're ready to kind of get back amongst other groups of people, or what's your? I cannot wait to go back to the theaters yeah i cannot yeah. wait i'm kind of in the same boat i kind of feel the same way um yeah. but i'm i'm and a little I, i'm a little weird I'll, like that my optimism is just like yeah we'll be all right <laughs> everybody will be fine but i want to listen to the experts right like whatever the doctors and the scientists are saying you know i'll trust that oh yeah yeah for sure but uh i i just can't wait for human connectivity again yeah yeah so. I, it's not so much that for me it's just going to a movie in the theater <laughs> well yeah uh, i think you know i think that if anything this uh whole situation we're in really made made me appreciate uh how much of a, an experience going to the movies is as opposed to you know just sitting down and watching it at home you know right because you know it's it's way more immersive when you get to go and uh, see it in the big screen with the crazy sound and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've been trying to replicate that at home and, uh, and I have a pretty nice setup and I'm excited about that. And, you know, we watched uh, hunt for the red October, which we'll be talking about here in a little bit. Uh, I got the new 4k transfer and, you know, put it in and, crank the sound up my children were like you're going to make our ears bleed i'm like we're in the theater man this is how it sounds <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny 
It is funny too because it's like a reversal on that thing. It's like, Dad, would you turn your music down? You know, it's like the parents usually the one that's supposed to be uh, screaming those yeah. kind of things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But not in this case. Uh, not in this case. Well, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, we have got a, a fun show. Of course, we'll do some buried treasure. We've got the uh, Sif Shame stuff, uh, including Hunt for Red October and Taxi Driver uh, that we will be chatting a little bit about um and i think we'll uh we'll kick it off with taxi driver how's that sound all right all right let's talk about taxi driver so what do you want to hack for bickle i can't sleep nights there's a porn up there just for that yeah i know i tried that so what do you do now uh, ride around nights mostly subways buses I think, you know i'm gonna do that i might as well get paid for it Travis, you run all over town, don't you? Uh, I mean, you handle some pretty rough customers, huh? Yeah. You carry a piece? No. You need one? No. Suffering from insomnia, disturbed loner Travis Bickle takes a job as a New York City cabbie, haunting the streets nightly, growing increasingly detached from reality as he dreams of cleaning up the filthy city. When Travis meets pretty campaign worker Betsy, he becomes obsessed with the idea of saving the world, first plotting to assassinate a presidential candidate, then directing his attentions toward rescuing 12-year-old prostitute Iris. Uh, this is 1976. It is Martin Scorsese's fourth film. I will say right off the bat that we will be spoiling the movies we talk about today. We're not going to worry about spoilers. They're movies that are older. And if you haven't seen them and you don't want to be spoiled, we do understand that. Just save this in your podcast feed and maybe come back to it. Uh, but, uh, but in order to have full conversations about these movies we're catching up on, we uh, do need to go into more of the details on what goes on here. Uh, now, this was on my list of shame, um, so I am the one uh, who will kick this off, this conversation off, and uh, first go through a little of the preliminaries. Uh, the reason I haven't seen this is, again, the same as several others. It was just, it was a little grimy and gritty for me. Um, you know, I was born about when this movie came out, uh, and by the time I was old enough to really be enjoying uh, watching movies, uh, it was, you know, kind of in the rearview mirror, uh, so to speak. And so I hadn't, I just haven't taken the time to, to catch up on it. Um, but I did watch it, and uh, as far as liked it, loved it, disliked it, or it was just okay, I'm going to go with liked it. That may, awesome. be, that may be a little surprising. Scorsese and me have a, a mixed track record, but uh, but I think there's there's some stuff that's that's really good here, um, and I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Well, uh, my first experience with this movie wasn't uh, that long ago, maybe seven years ago. Okay. Which for me, you know, I normally watch all my R-rated movies whenever I'm nine or eight. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, um, but uh, no, uh, I've always loved Scorsese, and I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, the pinnacle of Scorsese. I got to go and watch it. And uh, it's just, I'm one of the few people in the world that's just like, you know, that one's not for me. Uh, I appreciate and understand what's great about it, but it's just like the, the character of uh, Travis was a little too... Uh, not un unrelatable, obviously, but like sure. a, I just couldn't connect with uh, like his motives or anything like that. 
Like, I didn't understand what he was wanting out of life. And it's not because he's a villain, because obviously there's great movies out there where the villain is the protagonist. I mean, look at There Will Be Blood, but I understood what Daniel Plainview was wanting. He wanted wealth. He wanted power. Uh, In this one, I just really didn't understand what Travis wanted. So, in his psychotic, uh, you know, episodes of wanting to assassinate the uh, presidential candidate or wanting to help uh, Jodie Foster is just, I, I didn't get, like, where he was mentally. You said uh, Pinnacle of Scorsese. Do you do you think most people would rank this as his best, or would they more go with Goodfellas or, you know, Gangs of New York? You, like, what, what would, what do you think, uh, or even Raging Bull, which I guess, you know, um, was kind of the yeah. one after this. Uh, I, I, I think uh, people would... It would be a toss-up between this and Goodfellas for people saying that this is his best. And now newer audiences, just Scorsese would probably say something like The Departed uh, mm-hmm. for Gangs of New York. I personally think that Gangs of New York is his best movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I guess I'll address what you were talking about first, and then I, I'm, I'm going to uh, say some other things. But I think it's pretty clear what what Travis wants, uh, you know, Travis wants uh, a world free of the people he doesn't like, and he wants to be the one to erase them from existence. You know, he's, he has a, a superhero uh, complex kind of idea. And I, I do have to say, first off, big negative, this movie steals so much of the tone from Joker, it's ridiculous. Um, oh, yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> So I can't believe Scorsese would uh, would rob that movie so uh, so hard. Uh, no, it's it is amazing to me to go back and watch this and then think of how much like Joker this movie is, uh, and uh, and to kind of understand. I knew kind of the beats of it, uh, but just even down to the characterizations of the character, certain body movements, body type, that kind of stuff. There's a moment where he's walking down the street in a suit that looks very much like the suit that Joker was wearing in the very same street walk kind of scene. Uh, and I think that stuff is probably intentional uh, on Joker's part. But uh, but here the difference is I feel like this movie is authentically telling a story and the consequence of a story of a human being who has uh, given in to a psychosis. Whereas with Joker, it's kind of uh, trying to squeeze it into the Joker mythology. And because of that, like the, the edges are just all messed up and weird and it, and it doesn't feel right. You know, it feels more heroic than this. Um, and I guess that's the other thing I'll say that I really liked about it is of Scorsese's movies, I think of Goodfellas or even Wolf of Wall Street, uh, this, this movie really lives in the the horror of the consequence of this this man's transition this man's descent into madness so to speak and you know when i watch goodfellas and wolf of wall street it just feels so joyful and ebullient you know it just it feels like there's almost a celebration of what's going on in in this it feels very much like we the camera is allowing us to um to feel the 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 horror of these moments of what's going on and i think the ending of this movie is really drives that home with the idea that the parents of this girl are so happy and he's seen as a hero and just how how that that feels so contradictive to what the camera has shown us 
that I think Scorsese is making a really interesting point on how to be careful, you know, uh, to judge things based on the outcomes, you know. So, because this is a whole different story if he's got an extra bullet in the gun, right? Because he tries to kill himself. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I yeah. So those are the things I liked about it. Uh, at least I felt like uh, I felt like Scorsese was doing some some really good work here, and it felt it, to me it felt more authentic to something like Goodfellas or even The Departed or Wolf of Wall Street. I feel like you know it's it's very grounded, even though it's gritty. It, it feels it feels really grounded to me. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to lie. The fact that you like this movie is shocking. <laughs> it truly is. Just because, you know, I, I know the uh, the types of movies you like. And every single time that we talk about a Scorsese movie, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's going to have that vibe and Aaron's not going to like it. What was the uh, uh, the one with uh, Liam Neeson that just uh, 12 Sinner or Saints or something like that? The one where they're the in the Jap- Japanese, they're the priests. It was him and Andrew Garfield. Oh, Silence. Silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 uh, Honestly, Silence is like, it's going to sound weird, but I think it's the closest uh, movie of his to Taxi Driver. Mm Mm-hmm. Just a, you know, it's just a overwhelming sense of dread and despair. Yeah. Whereas some of his other movies... It, they're they're interlaced with you know comedic moments and stuff like that. Even uh, Goodfellas, for as violent as that movie is, you know you can laugh at Joe Pesci every now and then. But laugh? As what far is he as, a like, clown to you? Is he a clown to you, Andrew? He's funny. He's a funny <laughs> guy. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. You know, there's scenes like that, and you're like, okay, you know, I can. I can relax a little bit, but mm-hmm. with movies like Silence and Taxi Driver, there's not a single moment of, you know, ease. And I'm okay with that. I loved Silence too, by the way. I'm I'm one of uh, Silence's uh, defenders, um, but I- I'm okay with that because I think it allows for what I'm talking about—that groundedness. I think sometimes the humor in his movies, specifically Goodfellas and, and Wolf of Wall Street, are the ones I would mention. Uh, is what adds to that sense of not uh, being able to relate to the joy of the characters. Like I, I just, you know, there's it's it's not joy is probably the wrong word, but there's almost like a, and this is too strong a word, but there's almost like a worship to it, right? Like there's almost like a a pedestal mm. uh, that those movies use, and I never felt like Travis Bickle was on any kind of pedestal in this movie. You know, I never felt like there was anything about what it was showing me that was like, oh yeah, I want to be like that guy. You know, like that guy's cool. Um, so now, of course, anybody can, you know, follow the wrong heroes. I'm certain there are people who watch Taxi Driver and do identify with Travis, Travis Bickle. And that scares me uh, the same way it scares me with Joker or, you know, uh, any of those others. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. For me, I, I just I felt like this was just a, a better movie. I just thought it was be- it was really well made. And there are some things about the end um, that I didn't like. And they aren't story or plot-wise, but the way the end shootout is shot is really kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of shoddy to me. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it, but uh, there are... Uh, some... pro- I've only seen it once. Oh, only once. And so... I didn't like it, so... Yeah. The the end has some moments where, like, the camera... I don't know, like, the, he slows down the film uh, at this one point where somebody's coming out of a room with a gun... 
and oh, it, yeah, and yeah. it feels so weird and jarring to the rest of the scene because it just feels like he did that because he had to, like he didn't have enough of that shot to fill the gap he wanted to fill, or something. Yeah. It just it, it almost feels. And again, I know it's his fourth movie. He's a young director. He's figuring it all out. But I, I felt like the that last scene was a was a bit poorly executed. Um, I, I knew what he was going for, but it was just I I didn't I, I didn't buy into the execution of it. I bought into the plot of it. I just didn't buy into the execution of it. Mm. Uh, uh, interesting or question. I'm curious about what did you think of incredibly young Jodie Foster? She's incredible, absolutely astonishing. Um, best performance in the movie, as far as I'm concerned. And De Niro's doing great work. Uh, but I I couldn't. She's what 13 when she shot that. Yeah. Um, man, I just, that, that dinner scene with her and Travis Bickle, she is so alive in that scene and so natural. And, uh, there's this moment where she laughs and says, I don't know who's weirder, you or me. Um, and it's just perfect. It's just perfect line delivery. And I just, I totally believed that character, uh, all the way through. So, so yeah. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. I thought she was she was great. It's interesting because this movie in some senses feels a lot like one of Jodie Foster's other movies, Silence of the Lambs. Sure. You know? Uh it's just another movie uh dire, depressing throughout the entire thing. And it makes me think, is this who <laughs> Iris would grow up to be, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is like, there you know. There's that I mean, that's an interesting, you know, long-term sequel idea is who, you know, who did Iris become? Because that's almost, you know, it almost is separated far enough from this movie that it become you know, becomes its own movie in a way that doesn't feel cheap, you know? Yeah. Uh, Iris uh, changes her name. She gets adopted by the Starling family. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're going back to back with, uh, with uh, Jodie Foster movies too, with Contact, so... Uh... Yeah, oh, that's right. Man, she's uh, so good. Um, Academy Awards nominees, uh, four nominations for Taxi Driver. Uh, De Niro was nominated for Best Actor. It was nominated for Best Picture. Jodie Foster at 13 got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And uh, Bernard Herrmann uh, nominee for The Score. Uh, he has lots of those. Herrmann's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, him <laughs> and Scorsese, they're, they're, they're old pals, so. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, any further thoughts on Taxi Driver other than your shock that I actually uh, think it's a good movie? Well, the fact that you like it is making me want to go back and rewatch it now. I'm like, well, if Aaron likes it, then maybe there is something there because he hates Scorsese movies. Well, that's a that's a little extreme. I don't hate Scorsese movies. Uh, I like um, Shutter Island. Uh, I like Hugo. I think Hugo's really good. Um, I just like all the Scorsese movies that most people don't even realize are Scorsese movies. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. Um, and I and I understand what people love about those other movies too. Like I get it, I really do. It's just there's something so disconnected to me about um, what he is trying to say about the depravity in specifically Goodfellas, uh, Casino, um, you know. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. What he's trying to say in those movies, it feels icky to me. I just—it's hard for me to watch and, and to enjoy it. And I come away thinking, I don't—I don't want to experience that again. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so well, with it. uh, 
with um, those kind of movies, I don't think he's championing that that uh, that lifestyle or anything like that. He's just trying to make you understand why they love that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at Wolf of Wall Street, you're not supposed to like what you know DiCaprio's doing, but you need to understand why he likes what he's doing. Yeah, but there's an element, and I agree, I agree with what you're saying, but beyond that, the way that it's played, there is an element of joy to watching it. Like, I'm glad DiCaprio or the person that he's playing is doing this because it's so fun to watch. Um, and that's just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to, to agree that that's fun to watch. I can feel the movie being like, isn't this fun? Isn't this fun? How crazy is this? Isn't this fun? And I'm just like, no, it's not. Like I, I don't know. There's just there's a weird there's a weird thing going on there that's hard for me to put my finger on. But the Popeye spinach cocaine scene is one of the funniest <laughs> scenes <laughs> ever. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know who we didn't talk about is Sybil Shepherd. Uh, oh yeah. And Albert Brooks and their opening dialogue together is one of my favoriteest things ever. Uh, it is just so witty and interesting like they just do little things where she's like you need to put your glasses on and he has his glasses on and he says something like okay give me a second (laughs) even though he's got them on like just little silly stuff like that and they're just you know having fun together um i i I think they're really good i think sybil shepherd specifically in the scene where he takes her uh to the triple x theater and thinks that that's just a normal thing you do on a date is you you know you take your girl to a porn um, and her reaction in that feels really authentic to me. Like she wants to believe him. She's liked him so far. He seems like a nice guy. And then sits down in front of the movie and it's just a porn. And she's just like, I'm not comfortable. And then her reaction afterwards where like he was, he really couldn't understand what he did. And at the same time, she knows, I just don't want to be a part of this. And I just, I don't, I felt that was really good. I thought that was played really well. Um, so I, I really like Sybil Shepherd in this too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just great performances all around. Uh, baby uh, Harvey Keitel in there doing some uh, doing some work, too, uh, as the pimp. Um, so that was good. Peter Boyle showing up. I was about to say, we got Peter Boyle in there. Yeah. So, this yeah. Wizard. Yeah. It, I, I, I was surprised. Uh, i just as surprised as anybody who's hearing me say it. But uh, I was surprised that, that I came out this movie... Not necessarily enjoying the experience, but appreciating the experience and appreciating what uh, Scorsese, the film that he made. And I think it is a much more authentic look into this kind of psychosis, um, the vigilante psychosis. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I dug it in many ways. So take that for what it's worth. Fantastic. Uh, um, all right. Let's move on to Hunt for Red October. The most brilliant commander in the Soviet Navy. Remy has trained most of their officer corps. He's nearly a legend in the submarine community. The most deadly submarine ever built. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington. Nobody'd know a thing about it until it was all over. And once more, we play our dangerous game with our old adversaries, the American Navy. Based on the popular Tom Clancy novel, this suspenseful movie tracks Soviet submarine captain Marco Ramius as he abandons his orders and heads for the east coast of the U.S. 
Equipped with innovative stealth technology, Ramius's submarine Red October is virtually invisible. However, when American sub briefly detects the Russians' presence, CIA agent Jack Ryan sets out to determine Ramius's motives, fearing he may launch an attack on the U.S. Um, well, that's a little deceptive, because I don't think Jack Ryan, I mean, maybe for a very brief moment he considers it, but for the most part, he kind of knows what's going on in this movie, doesn't he? Yeah, I kind of like this uh, this uh, synopsis more. Uh, Soviet Union's best submarine captain and their newest sub uh, violates orders and heads for the U.S. Is he trying to defect or start a war? Yeah, and that is that is the premise of the movie, and it's a good one. It's a, it's a yeah. really good premise. Um, all right, well, first, uh, before we get into it, just a little bit uh, about Hump for Red October. Uh, this was 1990, so we're looking at a 30-year anniversary for Hunt for Red October, which is probably why the, the brand new 4K release uh, is out. Uh, so, uh, which, by the way, I did, I'm not sure if I mentioned this already, but I did watch it on the, the 4K uh, remastered uh, release in my home theater, and it really, literally, literally, I had a subwoofer at that point. <laughs> um, and it, it, it worked my subwoofer hard. Because uh, those underwater low uh, frequencies were a lot of fun. Anyhow, uh, the sound design on this is spectacular. Uh, so uh, you've got Sean Connery as uh, the uh, Captain Ramius. You've got Alec Baldwin playing Jack Ryan. Um, and this is a McTiernan film, I believe. John McTiernan yeah. directed it. Uh, Tom Clancy wrote it. Uh, when? What's your What's your explanation, Andrew? Why haven't you seen this yet? Uh, I'm not going to lie because this movie has everything going for it in the andrew category right it's got sean connery alec baldwin and okay besides those guys this cast is crazy with scott glenn and sam neill james earl jones as greer yeah you could just go down the whole list you even have courtney a young courtney b vance yeah. in this movie <laughs> tim curry and then a really quick stellan skarsgård cameo that kind of took me off guard yeah <laughs> Did it scar you? It scarred me. <laughs> um, but John D McTiernan directed it. You know, the guy's done so many of my favorite movies. Right. Uh, Die Hard. And so why haven't I seen this movie? I really have no excuse. I think it was the fact that as I was growing up, I saw every new submarine movie that came out. So like U571 or Widowmaker or uh, Das Boot. I know Das Boot isn't a new but I saw that. Right. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, I've seen Submarine, 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 Submarine. And everybody's like, oh, have you seen Hunt for Red October? And I'm like, no, but I've seen, you know, every other Submarine movie out there. So I bet I understand what this one's going to be about. And, uh, but then, you know, as my passion for movies grew, I kept looking at this movie. And I'm like, man, this has everything in it. Why, why am I not watching it? And then something would come up. So, uh, have you watched, how, which of the other, I should say, Jack Ryan movies have you watched? Yes. <laughs> Even the Chris Pine one that came out a couple years ago? Chris Pine had one? Yeah, Chris Pine played Jack Ryan in one movie, Sh uh, Shadow, Shadow Recruit? Is that what it was? I gotta look this up now. 2014, I think. Yeah, see? See, you thought you knew all the Jack Ryan movies, but you had forgotten that one, hadn't you? Yeah, apparently. Uh, Outlaw King, Wonder Woman, Hell or High Water, Finest Hours. 
I am not seeing Jack. Oh. Oh, yeah, I have seen this movie. The one with uh, <laughs> uh, Kira Knightley. Yeah. Right. It's It says yeah. something that it's that forgettable, though, right? Because I had, yeah. this, I had this same experience last night when I was talking to my boys, because we watched this as a family last night. Uh, and, uh, and my, my boys were like, I like Jack Ryan. I was like, yeah, that's a, he's a great character. And so we were talking about the different movies. I was like, he, uh, he, after Alec Baldwin played him, Harrison Ford played him for a couple movies and, uh, then Ben Affleck played him for a movie. And now he's played by John Krasinski on the TV show. And so I, I went to look up the movies and I was like, what is this Chris Pine? Oh, that's right. Chris Pine paid, you know, played him for one movie too. So, yeah. uh, I had totally forgotten about that one as well. Uh, yeah, that's a not a great movie. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Unfortunately, it is not. But what about this one? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I loved it. Yeah, I you love did. this movie. <laughs> this movie is so good, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, and uh, honestly, like after watching it, I'm like, this is probably okay. Out of all the Jack Ryan movies, this is the best one. This is I, the best Jack Ryan movie. I have a real soft spot in my heart for Clear and Present Danger. And that doesn't mean mm. it's a better movie, but it's a, it's, it's a more favorite movie for me. Uh, and it's probably just where it came in my life and watching it with friends and Harrison Ford and, you know, uh, how dare you, sir? You know, like there's just, yeah. there's just so much about Clear and Present Danger that I love. But I think if you pushed me far enough, I would admit that Hunt for Red October is actually a better movie. Mm. I don't want to do that, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll never try and tell you that your favorite's wrong. <laughs> but what well, you're no, doing it movie. wrong. You're doing pop culture wrong, Andrew. Oh yeah, it's about right. arguing until the other person agrees with you, not about having a conversation yeah. where you until can you exchange just, uh, ideas, beat them into submission. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But oh man, I am so mad at myself that I put this movie off for so long. It's this a good one. Great. Yeah. From beginning to end, it's great. It really is, and it really it really holds you for the whole what two fifteen. You know, it's over two it's hours. It's a long, long movie, but I was yeah, I was I was actually going to be one of my first pros for as long as this movie is. I was in it for the whole bit. Yeah, it was uh. such a pleasure rewatching it. Uh, I'll go ahead and do my experience. Uh, first time I watched Hunt for Red October was. Uh, very shortly after I had watched Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger, and I just kind of wanted to complete the Jack Jack Ryan trilogy, I knew it was a different. I knew a, a Baldwin played him, um, so I did go back to it after the a fact. Baldwin, <laughs> <laughs> yes, one of the one, Baldwins. One of the Baldwins. Uh, I can't remember uh, what year Clear and Present Danger was, um, but it seems like it seems like it was probably in the mid '90s somewhere. Oh yeah, '94. 94. So that's what's interesting about this is it was such a quick change of actor uh, on this. I mean, it went right from Baldwin to Harrison Ford within a couple years. And, um, you know, so this was this was right when I was in college. It just gotten this was like my freshman, sophomore year in college, hanging out with the guys. Let's watch Clear and Present Danger. Uh, had a blast with it. Wanted to watch the other ones and went bought, back and watched Hunt for Red October. Uh, October. And loved it. Uh, and again, most recently uh, saw it last night uh, with the family. And boy, am I glad I watched it again. Uh, it is just such a great watch uh, to, to go through. And I think if it's not obvious so far, yeah, I'm in the loved it category on this one uh, as well. So talk about, oh, some, yeah. talk about some of the other, uh, since your first time, talk about some of the other things you love about the movie. I uh, love how uh, it, it, it could have been so easy for McTiernan to play this as up until we know 
that uh, 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 Marco's, Ramius's uh, motives, mm-hmm. like, it could have been so easy for him to be like, are, is he going to defect or isn't he going to defect? You know, and that could have been the driving force. Right. But it wasn't, you know, he, he didn't, he was just like, nope, I'm going to let you guys know right up front, he's going to defect. That's what, that's what his goals are. Um, uh, it's also interesting, and this is actually one of the things I don't like about the movie, is his reasoning for wanting to defect was a little lackluster. You know, when it's when he's on the boat on on like the little skiff with uh, uh, with uh, Jack Ryan at the end, and he's like, mm-hmm. "There's one question you haven't asked me." You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say that that was actually another really cool scene. There was a a transition from speaking Russian to English that was really smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, they were speaking in Russian, then it panned in pan back out and they were speaking in English and I'm like, oh that was that was really cool. I like the way they did that. Uh I like Sam Neill in this movie. I always love Sam Neill. Yeah. Uh and this might be like one of my favorite Alec Baldwin performances too, because if there's one thing that, you know, the Jack Ryan character is infamous for is, you know, he's just an analyst, you know, but he's thrust into this world. Right. And he is but he understands the gravity of it all. You know, it's not like he um, is trying to, like, get out. He he understands that this is something that has to be done, and he just goes full ham on it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that's another thing that you look at Krasinski, and I'm like, you know, Krasinski understood the, the, uh, the Jack Ryan character. Yeah. One of my favorite things about the Jack Ryan character, and we have this scene uh, in this this movie as well, uh, is that he always finds himself with very powerful people and unafraid to speak the truth. And mm-hmm. that's the, it's just that is the defining core of that character that I fall in love with is the fact that he knows how to put powerful people in their place. Um, and, uh, maybe that's why the, how dare you, sir, you know, uh, appeals yeah. to me so much, uh, kind of thing. But there is that moment in this one too, where he's around the table with all these people who completely outrank him. And he's just like, he's laughing at something and then telling them what, you know, he thought and then just putting them in their place. And that's just, that is Jack Ryan, right? Jack Ryan. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not telling you things because he wants to prove he's smarter than you. He's just telling you things because he is smarter than you. (laughs) There's There's a difference. And, uh, and this character gets that difference in a, in a really fun way, I think. And I totally agree about Baldwin. I think Baldwin is great in this. Uh, and he's, uh, he's just like baby Alec Baldwin is just amazing. (laughs) I just, I just love it. Uh, and just to see all these, it was funny because, uh, when Sam Neill popped up, he has this moment where he's talking about moving to Montana, and my son was like, "Oh, yeah. oh is he going to go dig up bi- dinosaur bones in Montana?" <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, yeah." These and uh, Sean Connery's character is going to become an archaeologist uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's how that works. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's uh it's it's really it's really great to see all these people. Tim Curry, even you know, just just great to see him doing stuff. Yeah, he's just a little goofball, you know. Yeah. But you know that's, that's what Tim Curry does. Uh, I got I can't not give props to Sean Connery because he just had a presence in this movie. Yeah, like an authoritative presence that you're like, what this man says goes. It doesn't matter if you are American, Soviet, 
you when this man starts to talk, everybody is quiet and they listen. Ah, uh, he was so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved uh, Courtney B. Vance as well. I loved all that stuff with him hearing, you know, trying to hear the the sub oh, yeah. but not hearing it. Uh, I thought was really good. Um, yeah, it's just it's full of so many great moments, you know, so many great scenes. There's laughter. There's lots of intensity. The sound. By the way, talk about awards. Uh, this is an Academy Award winning film. Uh, it mm-hmm. won a, an Oscar for sound design. Uh, or sound editing, I guess I should say, and uh, which, by the way, those are now the same category. Did you hear that? What? Yeah, the Academy Award is combining the sound categories into one, which they should have done a long time ago, but they they're finally doing it. So yeah, nice. Um, it's but- it's now I don't have to worry about the same person winning twice. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, so anyhow, uh, yeah, this is won an Academy Award for Best Sound Editing. It was also nominated for Film Editing in Sound Mixing. So it won Sound Editing, but not Sound Mixing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like I mentioned, the sound on this really, really is spectacular. But there are all these moments in this movie that I just, as I'm watching it, I'm just enjoying so much. Uh, I alluded earlier to the lollipop line, which is just always one of my favorites. Uh because he's like, yeah, I'm a politician. And you just don't, you don't hear politicians admit how sleazy they are like that sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that way. Um, so, yeah. And, and just lines like, my Morris is so rusty, I could be sending him dimensions on Playmate of the Month. You know, just, yeah. like, just like all that kind of stuff. It's just really w- well written and fun to watch you know, in a lot of ways, too. And that, that communication scene, that Morris code periscope scene is so intense. And they're just flashing lights at each other through periscopes. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, and then really Sean well Connery's like, send another ping. Yes, you know? just and then, one. Just one. And then all throughout that, uh, the U.S. sub just, bing, you know? Like, <laughs> oh. And then you've got at the you've got all the rescued Russians misinterpreting what's going on in the battle and celebrating. Oh, yeah. So good. He scared them to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> Captain has scared the Americans to the surface. Oh, it's good stuff. Yeah, if you and then, fr- at, the, <laughs> and then at the very end, you got the uh, uh, the senator uh, who was played by is it Rick Jordan? Yeah, yeah, Rick Jordan, and he's like, "Are you trying to tell me you lost another submarine?" <laughs> yes. Uh, and we love it, right? Because the Russian ambassador is being just such a snake yeah. earlier and trying to get us to kill someone who's defecting and. And then there's all the airplane stuff, you know, that he's scared of, you know, flying on airplanes because of the turbulence. But by the time he's gone through all this, he's like sleeping like a baby. Yeah, exactly. On the trip back. Uh, Which is a very Jack Ryan thing. The the, the descent to the sub where he just like, you know, cuts the cord. Oh, he just cuts the cord. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How crazy is that? He just knows he has to be on there. Yeah. He can't fail. He has to be on there. So, uh yeah, it's just this is a really good one. If for whatever reason you haven't seen this and you're listening to us talk about it, uh, this is yeah. definitely one to to move up your list uh, as far as uh, you know your list of shame goes. If you haven't seen it, so it's funny because I didn't know how good submarine movies could be. Like, don't get me wrong, DOS Boot is remarkable, mm-hmm. but like Widowmaker or K or U five seven one, you know stuff like that, like. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fun movies, but they're not great. This is a great movie. Yeah. And I, I think it's only, it's not really a sub movie. It's just movies that happen to take place on subs. It's all about 
you know, subterfuge and defection. I get it. Subterfuge. Very nicely mm-hmm. done. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Definite recommend. You should absolutely yeah. see Hunt for Red October, as well as the other Jack Ryan movies. Is that maybe the Chris Pine one? You can probably skip that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, all right. Uh, definitely like Patriot Games and uh, Clear Present Danger. Yeah. Even some of all fears, the Ben Affleck one, I think is really fun. I think it's well, underrated. Fun, I- fun is a wrong word because it's a tragic movie. It really but, is. Uh, it's a fascinating movie. Yeah. I, I, I like some of all fears. Uh, and I, I think that that movie might be a little bit underrated. Um, you ready to pick our uh, our sif shames for the next time we do this? Now, as mentioned, this may not be next week. It may be in a couple weeks. But uh, I wondered if we wanted to go ahead and uh, pick some movies yeah. to watch when we get there. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, so, I picked I think first I go last for- time. So, so you I go, go first. Yeah, I go first this time. Okay. Uh, all right. So let me look at your list here. Uh, and you're going to watch Superman. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I really wanted, yeah, I really wanted to. So uh, let's take a look at yours. I'm trying to think of what we could uh, get creative. Uh, t- you got to get creative. T- t- yeah. Oh, sorry, I was back on Superman. Yeah. <laughs> let's go with. Oh yeah, here we go. Oh, Double Indemnity. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you very much. I definitely need to watch. This is one of the classics that that I I really should watch. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this one. This is like film noir, right? Like this is. Yeah. Yeah. 40s film noir. Yes. Billy uh, Wilder. Yes. Let's do this thing. Fred McMurray. Yes. Okay. I'm excited. (laughs) Uh, all right, so what's the tie? Did you did you think of a, a tie between Double Indemnity and Superman? Yeah, uh, Hidden Identity or oh, uh, False okay. Identities. All right, fair enough. We'll take it. Well, there you go. There's our Sif Shames for uh, the next time we do this, uh, which probably will be two weeks from now. We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. All right, so those will be those. Uh, we did get another uh, Tell Me What Movie to Watch. Um, you know, Prioritize oh, yeah. My Let's Sif Shame. Um, so if you would like us to do this for you, all you have to do is either hit me up on Twitter at Aaron Dicer. Uh, my DMs are open. Uh, or you can email us, uh, which is feedback at sifpop.com. Uh, either of those ways work. Uh, this is from Gideon who says, heard the Sift Shame podcast. Here's my list of stuff I've never seen. Would love to hear which I should prioritize. You ready for this? Yep. Titanic. Black Swan. Annie Hall. The Blair Witch Project, The Breakfast Club, Lost in Translation, The Nice Guys, Old Boy, and Cats. (laughs) What do you think, Andrew? What would you have him prioritize? Uh, So I pick three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can Can we just go ahead and eliminate cats right off the bat? Don't ever put yourself through that. You don't need to. Well, fine. Okay, there goes my number one. Uh, do you mind giving me the last three again besides uh, Cats? Yeah, uh, the uh, Lost in Translation, The Nice Guys, and Old Boy. I'm assuming that's the Korean Old Boy. Yes, I would guess so as well. And if it isn't, it is now. Yeah, D- don't watch the uh, the Spike Lee one. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, 
so my three I'm going to pick, I am going to go with movies. I'm just going to pick the three best movies on this list. Okay. As opposed to what I think should have been seen by now. Right. If that makes sense. So. Yeah. I usually go with the ones I would be most excited to hear somebody, you know, had watched. You know, like yeah. a, if you if we were like, if you came over to my house and you were like, I haven't seen these movies, these are the three I would put in immediately and make you watch, you know, yeah. together because I want to watch it with you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, that would be Black Swan, mm-hmm. Old Boy, and I think Lost in Translation is too... I think you have to know the person to recommend that one, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I'm going to go with Nice Guys. Nice Guys is a great choice. Uh, are those in order for you? Uh, I would put uh, Old Boy first, then Black Swan, then Nice Guys. All right. So Andrew says you should put Old Boy at the top of your list. I say yeah. you absolutely 100% should put Titanic at the top of your list. Um, the reason I think so is this. Number one, it is that the movie that if I find out you hadn't seen, I would love to sit down and, and watch with somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. And the second thing is that movie is so misunderstood by people who haven't seen it. And it's one of those movies that you don't realize how powerful it is um, because the impression you get just from how people talk about it is just about, you know, the Leo thing, the Kate thing. You know, we all know how it ends. The boat sinks. But if you haven't sat down and watched... What? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That doesn't make sense. There was a Titanic 2, Aaron. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, so... That what people don't realize until they sit down is how masterfully James Cameron cuts that story together and tells that story and how masterfully he uses the special effects of the time to really represent what it must have actually been like to be on that boat. And it is incredibly terrifying and, uh, and powerful. Uh, and I think that element of Titanic is so lost on people who haven't seen it that I always recommend if you haven't seen Titanic to give it a chance because I think it will it will own you. Um, it really is a great yeah. movie. I, uh, I'm not going to lie. My Heart Will Go On is the best song ever created for a movie. I think you're right. I mean, obviously, that's... It's a the lo- most famous. Yeah, it's a deeper conversation there. It, it is there, the best. But it is, it's pretty... It's a pretty great one, uh, for sure. Although we it's all... It's a long movie, though. you got to warn people how long this movie is. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like three hours, isn't it? It, it is. It is, but it's well worth it. So, uh, Gideon, I would put Titanic at the top of your list. And then the other two, I would, in order, say uh, The Breakfast Club is just such a classic piece of, um, you know... Uh, Adoles- adolescent cinema, you know, just the idea of clicks and and that kind of stuff. It has its flaws, but it's it's um, I think worth putting in your your uh, repertoire. And then I would agree on Nice Guys is my third. And uh, I've kind of come around on Nice Guys. I remember when I watched it, uh, I didn't get it like everybody else did. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, this movie's really funny, like really oh, yeah. funny. And I I knew the I knew the first time how good Gosling and um, Crow and Russell Crowe were together. Um, I like that chemistry blew my mind. I was like, "How are these guys so amazing together?" And uh, and then the second time, I think I was able to more pay attention to how clever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nice guys, I think would be up there for me as well uh, on that list. Um, of the others, um, I think you're not going to go wrong with any of them other than than cats. You know, they're all going to fill in some gaps in your your history pretty well so oh yeah so there yeah. you go uh gideon nice. i hope that helps and again if you have a uh, a list of shame a sift shame that you want us to prioritize for you 
um, we would love to do so. And we'd love for you to report back those who uh, do that. So Gideon, let us know if you decide to uh, knock some of those things off. Uh, we'd appreciate hearing all about it. Before we head on to the buried treasure, uh, just want to thank our members at Patreon for making this possible. We know this is crazy times for all of us. And especially now, I would emphasize if uh, supporting the Sift Pop membership is something that puts you in any kind of financial difficulty, do not do it. Uh, we'll be okay. Having said that, appreciate so much those that continue to support. It allows us to do the website, to have uh, the fun BEC articles uh, that come in. It allows us to keep doing this podcast. Uh, so we really, really do appreciate it. That is at uh, patreon.com slash And by the way, that includes a monthly bonus pod. I said, shouldn't say monthly. Actually, it's usually weekly. We do skip a couple here and there, but... Pretty much every week we'll hop on and do a bonus podcast, including uh, hearing Andrew's thoughts on the movie Extraction in this uh, week's bonus pod. So again, that's patreon.com slash siftpop. That's S-I-F-T-P-O-P. And uh, thank you so much for doing that. All right, let's move on to the buried treasure for the week. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? What do you got, Andrew? Uh, I'm going to go with... It's weird. It's a uh, it's a type of move or shows that you can watch on YouTube, like a type of videos. Okay, Res that's fine. Restoration videos. Mm. What that is, like it's it's my version of ASMR. I found out like, <laughs> right. people taking really old tools that are like rusted and bent and stuff, and then restoring them to like a brand new, like better than the factory. You know, it's. It's just so relaxing to like watch like the sandblasting to get all the paint off mm -hmm. and the sanding and the uh, the getting like new screws and stuff like that. There's a guy uh, who I watch. Uh, his channel is called Mind Mechanics. Okay. Uh, and everything on it is either handmade or restored. He doesn't do store bought really. So like. Oh, the screw is uh, ripped off in there, so I'll pull that screw out. And does he go to Home Depot and buy a new screw to put in there? No, he makes a new screw to <laughs> go into. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, oh my goodness, the skill that you are displaying right now is otherworldly. And uh, it's just so relaxing to see something be given a second chance. You're like, ah, oh, beautiful tools. Yeah. Yeah, I just did a quick search on YouTube for restoration videos, and I can totally see why this is an attractive kind of thing to check out. The, one of the first ones I, I looked at that I was like, oh, I want to click on that, was uh, restoring the dirtiest $3,000 Nike Air Warhawk Air Max uh, from the oh, 90s. Oh, yeah. There's so, a, yeah, there's restorations for everything, not just tools, but like uh, people restoring shoes. Uh. He's got this shoe, and it is covered in like concrete and torn apart and just like i'm just there's like he just showed the inside of the shoe and there's like maggots in it <laughs> he, yeah and he's freaking out right now trying to get the maggots out uh so yeah i don't i don't know that's that's a that's a that's a good uh a good one to go with uh andrew so yeah. uh i'm i'm so distracted i think i think i don't even want to do mine because i just i just want to watch <laughs> i want to watch how he restores these uh these shoes okay that can wait that can wait um my buried treasure is a an app uh, and I have championed on this podcast before uh, what I call efficiency apps. 
Um, and I don't mean like apps that make your life more efficient. I mean apps, games that reward efficiency of numbers. So oh, uh, okay. uh, Adventure Capitalist, Adventure Communist are a couple of the ones that I've talked about before where you, it's really just all about, you know, buying levels of things. So those things reproduce faster. And, it, you know, it, it a lot of it takes place when you're not even you know, on your phone, um, it's, they're called idle games in that way. In other words, you don't even have to be playing them for them to be doing work. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's something very, uh, like stock markety about it where it's like, you know, uh, if you do the right things and then the next time you come back to it, it's going to be even better and those kind of things. So I love these kind of games and I, I found one that, that is really just kind of simplifies it down to the math. And it's called Antimatter. And Antimatter is one of these games that I love. And I think I fell in love with these games with the Paperclip game. Do you remember the Paperclip game? I remember you and... Was it you and Danae who were like going all in on Paperclip? No, Danae hasn't really enjoyed these games. Um, actually, uh, John Paula, who was on the show last week with me, uh, he has really enjoyed these games. I think he loved the Paperclip game. Um, and, uh, and so anyways, uh, and, and that was actually my, uh, impetus in kind of searching for more of these. I was like, I wonder if there's any new ones out there. So I, I found antimatter and it's basically the same kind of thing. Um, but you're just dealing with matter, you know, creating, you know, protons, neutrons, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and going through different dimensions. And as you increase the dimensions, then the multipliers for previous dimensions get greater. Uh, and you're trying to work your way to infinity. And once you get to infinity, you reset infinity and try to get there faster. And then once you get to enough infinities, uh, you, uh, you break infinity. And then you can do all these other challenges and that kind of stuff. It's just a really creative look at one of these games. And what I found about it is that it's a little more... Uh, it feels at least a little more uh, proactive than some of these other games. Like there's more challenges to do. Uh, there's, you know, a list of um, achievements that you can go after like a lot of games have. I don't know. I'm just I'm having a good time playing it. So I thought I would mention it for my fellow uh, quote unquote efficiency games lovers out there that, that enjoy that kind of idle gaming uh, on your mobile device. Uh, it's called Antimatter and uh, should be available in your mobile store. Um, very cool there you go we did it man yeah we did we did a podcast every single week you know we set out to do it and i just we're batting 100 right now aaron we've always done it are you podcasting to me are you podcasting, are you podcasting to me, to me? <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today for sif pop it is part of the studio dna podcast network you can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for putting the show together. We love thanks, you, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at 3 bucks a month, and you get access to all the bonus episodes, uh, as well as some other fun perks. You can check that out at patreon.com slash siftpop lots of ways to connect with us feel free to comment rate leave reviews wherever you do your podcasts uh, apple Podcasts a good place to leave ratings and reviews uh, that helps other people find the show uh, or you can email us at feedback at siftpop.com and finally if you're having a good time your movie loving friends will probably like the show too so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than building your own forearm pistol slider uh, we will be back next week, and as mentioned, probably going to talk about bad education and maybe some new television. So we'll see you then. Bye.